the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show, formerly Southern California Live. We changed it to uh, Pastor Scott Show. Uh, that's me, and it's good to be with you every day from 3 to 5, 3 to 5 each and every day. So it's the uh, new show name, but the same bat time and the same bat channel. Good to be with you, as always, here on uh, this station. You can give me a call. Uh, later on, we've got a guest here in a few moments. You can also send me an email, new email address. The old one still works, but the new email address is pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com. All right, I hope you had a good Easter, and there is an awful lot going on today in the world, including in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, just a whole lot of crazy stuff this weekend. One of the stories this week and that uh, was a big story this weekend, still a big story, and I want to cover that one first, is a judge in Texas um, banned the abortion pill, and it immediately took uh, effect. Uh, but another judge um, reinstated it, and this is a conflict that will likely send it to the Supreme Court. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about whenever Roe versus Wade was overturned last summer is that... Well, people who are pro-life or anti-abortion are celebrating that ruling. There's another piece to it, and that the entire argument has changed because of the abortion pill. And this was a statement by CNN, Nicole Wallace on CNN, uh, about this. So, Claire, this is the judge that for the first time in our country's history, for a non-medical reason, has withdrawn an FDA approval for a drug that has no safety concerns. Um, Viagra and Tylenol have more, um, have a, a worse record when it comes to safety than this drug. Um, but here we are. We are still living in the far right fringes America, every last one of us. It's kind of a uh, angry thing to say, the far right fringes of America, every single one of us are living in. And that's a lot to say when, uh, you know, a majority of people have some opinion of restrictions on abortions in the country. Uh, the majority of people, according to polls, say that uh, some abortions should be legal. With me to talk about this is Dr. Ingrid Scott. She's from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Uh, and uh, doctor, welcome to Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. First of all, that statement there by CNN kind of, you know, I just thought, is that true that the abortion pill, uh, better known, I think, as RU486, people might be more familiar with that, that term than the medical name for it, but is it true that that pill is, has less uh, side effects or uh, problems than Tylenol or uh, Viagra? Well, that statement by CNN just shows how far the um, pro-abortion media will go to essentially gaslight the American people. What they are comparing when they make that statement is the fact that about 600 Americans die every year from Tylenol overdoses. 
So this is way too much Tylenol. Mm. Um, and of course, there are men who have cardiac arrest from Viagra because it is a cardiac um, effective drug. But you know what? The um, CDC does not really care to track statistics about how many women die after abortion. Um, we do know that at least 28 women have died following chemical abortion. But we also know that for various reasons, um, the um, most of the data the CDC gets comes from um, death certificates. And um, the deaths that follow abortion, particularly if they're a mental health death, a suicide from a coerced abortion, or you can imagine the anxiety, depression, substance abuse, um, overdoses that occur when women are traumatized by their abortion, the CDC can't pick up any of that data. So mm. women hear this statement, and the average American hears this statement and thinks, wow, well, that's pretty safe because I took Tylenol yesterday. No, they are not in any way comparing normal use of Tylenol to they're only looking at death. I'm uh, I'm losing your uh, your signal here a little bit, uh, Doctor. Uh, hold on just a second. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show, and my guest is Doctor Ingrid Scapp from the Lozier uh, Institute, Charlotte Lozier Institute. Are you with me, Doctor? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, you faded out a little bit. You were talking about how uh, CNN compared said that taking Tylenol had a worse effect essentially than the abortion pill. But what you were saying is that they're not talking about regular dosage, proper dosages of Tylenol. They're talking about overdoses and other things. Exactly, exactly. And, and just for your listeners, uh, because I discovered there is a lot of confusion about how chemical abortion pills work. It's two drugs. Mifepristone blocks progesterone receptors. That's the drug that the FDA has tightly regulated. And we can talk about what's been going on there. It's followed by mesoprostol that essentially induces labor and induces contractions in the uterus to express the tissue. And it doesn't always work. Um, it can cause significant hemorrhage. Um, it causes a lot of pain. Forty percent of women in one study. All right. We kind of lost you there just a little bit again. Uh, so maybe we don't have a really good solution uh, connection there, Wilbur. Dr. Ingrid Scott, by the way, is the director of medical affairs at the Lozier Institute, and she is a practicing board certified OBGYN. She's delivered herself over 5,000 babies, and uh, that's a lot. And she has personally treated many abortion pill related complications. So we're glad to have her on the show. Dr. Scott, are you back with me? I am so sorry. I didn't realize I, I got lost again. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. So okay. I uh, okay. I uh, okay. gave your resume out just a little bit here <laughs> and uh, what you do. And uh, so you, as you're talking about the abortion pill, I think this is something that very few people really understand, even for myself. I'm not mm -hmm. understanding how this has developed really over the past uh, 25 or 30 years. And you as a uh, doctor, OBGYN, uh, you and working as the director of medical affairs, you're very familiar with this pill and the complications uh, and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a combination of two pills. Mifepristone blocks progesterone receptors, so it cuts off the hormonal support, kills the embryo or fetus, and it's followed 24 to 48 hours later by mesoprostol that induces contractions. Um, so it essentially causes labor to express the pregnancy, but it doesn't always work. It is associated with a high amount of hemorrhage. About 15% of women in one very good quality study had a, a clinically significant hemorrhage. Um, one out of five women in that study, by the way, had some type of a complication. 
So many women experience very adverse events. And about um, um, 6% of those women required surgery because their body could not completely get rid of the pregnancy tissue. Um, And these surgeries are not as if the woman had just chosen a a surgical abortion in the first place. These surgeries often occur because the woman is is hemorrhaging or she's been bleeding for uh, six weeks, eight weeks. I've cared for these women in emergency rooms in Texas. Um, Because the abortion industry tells them it's safer than Tylenol and doesn't explain what they're really comparing it to, when these women have complications, they frequently do not return to the abortion provider. They know that that abortion provider has misled them. Mm. And so they go to other doctors. And that's one of the reasons that the FDA has such poor quality data is that the FDA has allowed itself to be bet, to be fed um, studies by the abortion industry. The abortion industry tells them about the complications that they know about, but many, many women don't go back to that doctor. They go to the emergency room And there was another very high-quality study that documented that when they come to the emergency room, and again, about 1 out of 20 of these women come to an emergency room within a month for a complication related to the abortion pill, and 60% of the time, it's miscoded as having been due to a miscarriage. So either the women are ashamed to say the abortion, the doctors assume, or the woman knows that her insurance will cover the surgery if she... um, uh, alleges that it was a miscarriage. Um, and so there's there's various reasons that this can happen. But the bottom line is the data that the U.S. abortion industry distributes, and again, they try to sugarcoat it, just like they said it's safer than Tylenol. The FDA has taken that data, has been very uncritical, and has used it to say, oh, look how safe it is. And in fact, 2016, the FDA said it no longer wants to hear about any complications unless it kills the woman. So we can dig into the FDA malfeasance a little bit more, but it step after step um, for the past 23 years, the FDA has allowed this process to be politicized. It has loosened restrictions on abortion pills because it wants widespread abortions, and um, it's hurting women. And I see it. I'm an obstetrician on the ground in Texas. I don't do abortions, but I've cared for many women who suffered complications. Yeah, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Ingrid Scott. Uh, Dr. Scott, the, the abortion pill, I think as you're discussing this, I think for a lot of people listening, this is all kind of new. But the the pill has uh, and the, it's a series of pills, I guess. Actually, it's a process, right? I think people are are unaware of a lot of this, and part of it is there is so much political, um, you know, screens that are being run so that we don't know the truth. Yeah, absolutely. It it it, it is not the same as emergency contraception. I've discovered that some people are confused about that. Yeah, what's the difference Emerging, between like, uh, that's the Plan B pill? Is that right? Yeah. So, what's the difference? So plan B is like high-dose hormones. So if a woman, a contraception, of course, is taking an action before the act of intercourse to try to prevent the egg and the sperm from, you know, c- coming together and fertilizing. Um, emergency contraception is when an action has not been taken before intercourse, but afterwards the woman wants to do something to try to minimize the risk of pregnancy. Plan B is a high-dose hormone that she takes at that time that delays ovulation. So if she hasn't ovulated yet, she won't, it'll Mm. not allow her to release an egg for several days. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that well because if she already ovulated, it doesn't really do much to prevent 
um, pregnancy. But abortion, the, the definition of abortion is that a pregnancy is known to exist, mm. and this is an action that has the born human life. And chemical abortion, or, you know, the industry calls it medication abortion, but of course, medication implies healing properties. And these, the whole purpose of these pills is to kill. So we prefer to call them chemical abortion. But this is something that the abortion industry has has uh, swung to and promotes for women. They say this is more natural. You can have your abortion in the comfort of your own home. The, it benefits the abortion industry. They don't they're having trouble, believe it or not, finding doctors who are willing to do surgical abortions. They have some staffing issues. Yeah. And so that has been part of the reason that they are promoting these pills. All they do is hand the woman the pills. She walks out the door. She self-manages her own abortion. The abortion industry is done. Their job is done when they've handed her the pills, unless, of course, she returns to them. But many of these women don't return. Um so it, it helps the staffing issues, and it also, as we're now seeing in the wake of jobs, allows them to get to get abortions to women in states that are trying to protect unborn human life. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that. So with the laws that are across the country, many states have put restrictions on abortion, sometimes just, uh, you know, 15 weeks or 12 weeks, and uh, some a lot more restrictive. How does the, the abortion pill fit into that? The abortion pill is only approved by the FDA till 10 weeks gestation. Okay. It does fail quite a bit. Um, so if, if, a, if a state allows some abortions, they may still allow the abortion pill. But if a state restricts all abortions, um, then the pills should not be available. But I think we're seeing there's sort of a, a movement in lawlessness by abortion advocates where they are actively bringing again i'm in texas they're actively bringing these pills into texas and they're um they're they're proud about it there was a washington post article where they just talked about how how this was so wonderful they're helping women by giving them these dangerous pills with no doctor involved and then of course when they have complications they have no one but the emergency room system to turn to Um, but that was all part of the plan that that this this is how they're providing abortions. This is how they're trying to get them out. Um, it yeah. hurts women. One out of one out of twenty women requires surgery. But you know what? I think the priority. It is clear has become the unborn human's death and not the safety for women. So uh, yeah, and that's another. That's a big piece. I think of a lot of this in the conversation. It's interesting to me that. You almost never hear from particularly a, a pro-abortion side any conversation at all about the death of the child. It's not even the, it's not even considered. It's as if it's not a not there. Uh, sure, it's, and, it's cloaked in euphemism. And, <laughs> yes, it's cloaked. It's uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's uh, you know reproductive care, and uh, it's we won't say abortion. I prefer the terms pro-abortion or anti-abortion. At least keep us you know focused mm-hmm. on the subject at hand. And I think, you know, if you're going to use the term pro-choice, for example, you have to give, if it's, it's not a real choice if women are not informed of all of the possible complications or possible options that exist. It's not really even choice. Yeah, that, that is absolutely the case. And that is one of the um, uh, points made by the attorneys in the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine lawsuit is that you can't even give informed consent because the FDA does not even know how frequent the complications are. So women, again, they're told it's safer than Tylenol. That's not true informed consent. 
when that woman chooses a chemical abortion that has a one out of 20 chance of causing her to end up in emergency room having emergent surgery. Yeah. So so you're right. They 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 point the finger anywhere else but at what the action is and that is the the elective killing of a human being. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, and my guest is Dr. Ingrid Skop, and she is with the Lozier Institute, and uh, she is, um, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Lozier Institute. So the Lozier Institute is is a, um, it's the research arm of Susan B. Anthony, um, Pro-Life America, and we've discovered, again, as we've been discussing, So many Americans don't really understand the issues, mostly because the media has been the um, uh, has basically parroted the talking points by the abortion industry. And the abortion industry's goal is to um, sugarcoat the issue so people don't really understand it. So what we do is we look to find the high quality literature. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, we have to do our own research. records linkage studies where we do uh, uh, very high-quality studies because they have not been done. Um, One of the recently looks at the 17 states where um, Medicaid pays for elective abortions in those states. But by doing that, we were able to determine who had chemical abortions, and then we could link them to the subsequent complications that occur. So our, our, our goal is to get the truth out and to discuss the flaws in many of the studies, again, that have been used by the FDA and that are commonly used by the abortion industry to help Americans see and to help women hopefully see that there are so many more harms to abortion than they're told. Planned Parenthood, of course, if you look at their annual report, every year 96, 97, 98 percent of their pregnancy services our abortion. Right. So you can bet there's not a discussion of other options occurring in that clinic. Can I ask you this question? You know, the studies that I've seen show that the number of abortions have been dropping for many years. Would you say that that is correct, or does that not account for the number of these kinds of abortions with the pill? Like, do we even have any idea of how many babies are aborted because of the, the pill? Well, that's a very good point that you made, and it goes to the fact that nothing about abortion data collection is mandatory in the United States. So the CDC reports a number, and the Guttmacher Institute, which is the research arm associated with the abortion industry, consistently reports about 20 to 30 percent more abortions every year. So we don't even know the number. And by the way, you're in California. Your state refuses to report any data at Mm. all to the CDC. So nobody, I mean, you have a lot of abortions there. We know that, but they they don't bother to tell the CDC about any of those. Um, Well, and that says an awful lot about the the whole thing, right? It's another place mm -hmm. where clearly we're not interested in truth which to me says we're not interested in in protecting not just the unborn child, of course, but also the women mm-hmm. that we're, we really we say we're pro women, but we're not. Yeah, and in answer to your to your question about how many, for years the numbers have been dropping. So in the 1990s, there were about a million and a half abortions every year in our country, and they've dropped dramatically. But you know what? They're taking a turn back up. And we think it's because of the chemical abortion pills yeah. being so readily available. In 2020, they were more than half of all abortions in the country. It's estimated, again, in the next couple of years, it'll be up around 70%. Yeah. 
are these pills given to uh, to minors also under eighteen? Is this something that a sixteen year old could go home and uh, and take oh, without her parents' uh, knowledge? The FDA did not do any studies on minors, even though their own rules require them to. They just said we're not going to do that. So there is no lower limit. A twelve year old, an eleven year old. Um, pregnant because of rape, could be given these pills. So not only is she going to have the added trauma, but the, the complications, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's absolutely a horrid way to treat a young woman. And one other thing that I, I do want to point out, and this is really sad to hear, it's going to hurt your, your, your listeners, um, the baby is identifiable at 10 weeks gestation. So young right. girls can look in the toilet and that baby's about the size and shape mm. of a gummy bear. They can see its facial features, its arms, its legs. Right. That's what we're allowing to happen. Those girls are alone in many cases. And what does that do to a person? What does that do to her? I mean, it, we, we can only imagine. Yeah. Nobody's studying it. The FDA does not care to know. Yeah. All right. My guest is Dr. Ingrid Skop. She is with the Lozier Institute. And uh, <laughs> now that I've got that uh, correct, can you stay with me uh, in the break? I just want to hear a little bit more about what uh, you, what the Lozier Institute does and send people away with that information. Uh, can you do that? Sure, absolutely. So it's L-O-Z-I-E-R Institute.org. Yeah. And we are a research arm. We we deal with many other things other than chemical abortion, although we have an entire portion of our website dedicated to chemical abortion. We talk about maternal mortality. We talk about every state. We break down the, the data collection that we can obtain. So it's, it's much more than just physical complications, um, mental health complications, um, um, but just what is going on in each of the states. Um, we... Um, it, as some of the states did put restrictions in place, um, yeah. we've had to deal with the um, erroneous um, uh, narrative that yeah. doctors can't save a woman's life in those states. Of yeah. course, that's untrue. Right. But Do- we've Dr. had Scott, to. I got to go to a break. Can, can you hold mm-hmm. on through the break for me? Sure. All right. You're yeah, listening absolutely. to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Ingrid Scott. The number is 888-528-2557. If you'd like to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show will be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. I do not believe that the courts have the authority to to have the authority over the FDA that they just asserted. And I do believe that it creates a crisis. Should the Supreme Court do that? It would essentially institute a national abortion ban because you have an extraordinary amount of states who have implemented surgical uh, surgical bans or bans after very early time periods. And then if you pair that with a mifepristone ban, mm-hmm. then we will essentially have a ban on abortion. Uh, with, I mean, there are certain workarounds, I will admit, there would be certain workarounds, but we would have taken a very significant step towards a national abortion ban. When- 
That was AOC talking about a, a decision that was made by a federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, issued on Good Friday, April 7th, that banned the abortion uh, pill. And uh, with me to talk about that is Dr. Ingrid Scott. She's from the Lozier Institute. And Dr. Scott, thanks for being back with me. Well, thank you. Yeah, tell us more about these cases and uh, what is going to happen in the court uh, with these different cases that were decided this weekend about the abortion pill. Yeah, so the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the FDA case um, is brought by um, five physician groups. And they have been trying since the Mifepristone uh, chemical abortion pill was approved in the year 2000. They've been trying since that time going through the avenues to say the FDA should have never approved the pill. Um, they, they broke their own rules on a number of occasions in order to approve it. Um, most egregiously, they did it under a subpart H accelerated approval regulation, which is um, only to be used for drugs that treat life-threatening conditions for which there is no other treatment. Mm. And of course, that was not the case. Most pregnancies are nowhere near life-threatening. And, you know, before these pills were approved, there were about a million and a half surgical abortions in our country every year. So surgical abortion was widely available. It has far less complications than abortions, about four times less complications. And so, you know, why, why did they do that? Why did they approve these pills that were not necessary and were more dangerous? Um, and since that time, the FDA has removed the protective restrictions. Um, right now, I don't know if you know this, a woman can get pills without ever looking a doctor in the eye, without having an ultrasound to make sure that we know the gestational age, that she doesn't have an ectopic pregnancy, right. without any labs. They can order them online and get them delivered to their mailbox totally outside of medical supervision. Well, this is abhorrent that the FDA has allowed this. So this judge in this lawsuit is to hold the FDA accountable because their job is to protect the American public from dangerous drugs. And in this case, they have not been. What people are saying uh, against this ruling is that this judge used his personal opinion or his religious opinion, perhaps, uh, to make a crazy decision. But what you're you're saying is that what he did was he said that the FDA, when they approved this drug, did not do it um, ethically. Exactly. He, I've seen the evidence that was before the judge. There is quite a bit of evidence to show that the drugs are dangerous, that the um, FDA looked at studies that were incomplete, that were flawed, that were given to them by the abortion industry, that the entire process was politicized that without any good evidence, they keep removing protections instead of putting more protections in place. And in fact, they will, for example, the studies that they looked at most recently to say this can be prescribed by telemedicine um, during the COVID pandemic, all utilized ultrasounds and labs. Mm. And yet they allowed it to be used without ultrasounds and labs. So they're not even, you know, the protocols that they're permitting are not even reflected in the studies. Um, And so this judge is just looking at the evidence, and he was convinced, and I think if the American public want to be convinced, they should read some of these um, briefs in this case, that it was a very politicized process um, solely in order to promote more abortions in our country. Yeah. So where does this go? So, I mean, for people listening who are um, anti-abortion, who 
uh, have these concerns. We're in California, so uh, everything is legal here and more. Um, what does the status of abortion in the United States today really? Well, it looks as if um, the judge has put a stay on mifepristone. So right now, we should all be observing to see how the abortion industry responds. As I mentioned, there were a million and a half surgical abortions. The abortion industry could pivot and it could provide a more safe abortion if it began um, making sure that it could provide surgical abortions for women. But we know why they've moved away from surgical abortions. It's because they get kill unborn children. They can't. Uh, you, so you faded out a little bit. So you said that one of the reasons yeah. they're moving away from surgical abortions is they're having a harder time getting doctors to perform them. That's it. That's exactly the case. A lot of doctors say they're pro-choice, but they won't do the action. They won't do the surgery. Is that also because doctors see the uh, ultrasound? A lot of women choose not to have abortions once they see an ultrasound. Does it affect doctors the same way? Oh, absolutely. And they see the fetal parts. They see the little hands and the feet and the body. All right. So that's very hard to do. But what we're starting to see is they're starting to pivot to a more dangerous form of abortion. And that's to use the second component, mesoprostol, which is not as tightly regulated. And now they're saying, well, if we can't get mifepristone, we'll just use mesoprostol only. Well, mesoprostol only fails in about one out of four or one out of five women. So it fails even more frequently than chemical abortion with with the combined regimen fail. And so if we see that the abortion industry's response is to point women to an even more dangerous method of abortion, then I think we clearly can all see that their goal is ending unborn human life. It is not the safety for women. Yeah. Um, my guest is Dr. Ingrid Skop, and uh, Dr. Skop, you're an OBGYN, and you've delivered over 5,000 babies. You works for the Lozier Institute. Um, you know, there is, uh, I want to, before you go here, we just have a couple of minutes, I want people to be aware of the Lozier Institute. It's uh, Lozier uh, Institute, and uh, how do you spell that? It's L-O-Z-I-E-R Institute.org. Is that the website? That is correct. That yeah. is correct. And there's a lot of very good information there for people to find. And what I want people to know is there's that the information there, it's very um, clinical, right? It's, this is a website that is for people who might be really wanting to look at the data that you guys are collecting and really ask intelligent questions about abortion and the different kinds and all the different issues. There's a lot of information there. There is, and everything is very well referenced. It's It's written so that non-medical people can understand, but it's also written so that you don't have to take our word for what we say. You can go and read the articles yourself. And I think that that that's key. We've got to be able to argue based on the science, based on the statistics. And that's what the Lozier Institute tries to do. That's right. The website is great. Actually, there's a tool on there, and uh, it's called The Voyage of Life. You can find it right on the top. And, you know, if you've got kids and you just want to explain this to your kids or your grandkids, you know, it's a pretty good tool. It's very simple. It's on the computer. So they'll, it's like they're playing a game. If you can't get your kids off the computer, maybe this is something they can look at. Uh, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful description of, of fetal development. So it, you don't even have to upset the children with the idea of abortion. But if they could see what, how complex unborn humans are at such an early gestational age, then they will have respect for that unborn human. They, and, um, yeah, they will. And educating people, I think that's where we have to be, is we have to be a voice of of reason in all of this. And reason is uh, on our side. Absolutely. We have science. 
<laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> that's All right. Why, that's why the other size has to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Dr. Scott, thank you for being with me today on the Pastor Scott Show. I appreciate it very much, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Pastor Scott. All right. My guest has been Dr. Ingrid Skopp. She's the Director of Medical Affairs at the Lozier Institute, and she's a practicing board-certified OBGYN, and you can learn more by going to LozierInstitute.org. That's L-O-Z-I-E-R Institute.org, and I I recommend that website. Uh, Check it out. Uh, you got any questions about all of this? This is the Pastor Scott Show. I am Pastor Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can call now and uh, join the conversation. I think that one of the things that she said there that matters so much is that in today's world with the way things are being done, I don't know how this court case is going to turn out. I think that... Uh, you know, someone's going to decide whether the judge has the authority or not to make this decision to sort of overrule the FDA, all of that kind of thing. It's going to depend on the, you know, getting in the weeds as far as how that decision was made and other things. But probably, you know, the abortion pill is here to stay or here for a while anyway. But it comes down to, I think, the heart of people. I think people are, are smart if they want to know the truth. I think that some of this and what we're, we heard her talk about in the media is that uh, we don't want to know the truth. In California, we don't keep statistics on complications to abortion through the pill or surgical abortion. The only reason not to keep statistics on a medical procedure is because you don't want people to know. That's the only reason. The only reason is you know that the statistics will go against your political narrative and where you want to go with it. And so you don't say, right? Uh My kids don't like it that the video game system keeps track of how long they've actually been playing, right? I can go on there and I can go right on my phone and I can say, oh, you have been playing, you know, for 45 minutes or an hour or two hours. And I know, and they'll say, I haven't been playing that long. It's only been an hour. Nope. According to this and its detail, uh, I have not, you've been playing for uh, two and a half hours and that's a half an hour longer than we let you play. And so you turn it off. See, they don't like the fact that there's data. Because the truth is, is I might lose track of time as dad. I may not know that they've been playing for six hours on the thing. You know, <laughs> I just I might be confused and think it's three or something. And but I have the data. It helps me as a parent to have that. See what I mean? If you don't want the data out there, it's because you know that you're on the losing side of an argument. The truth always is OK with the data. And um, that's a big piece here. That's a big piece for many of the things that our culture is struggling with is we got to have data. And if they're hiding the data, if they won't collect the data on whatever it is, and we collect data on everything, right? There, there's probably so much – there's so much data on you know where people park and how they park at the supermarket. There's probably a study on that, right? There's data for everything, but we're not keeping data on the abortions and the abortion pill and things that are pretty serious and the serious implications of the complications or even when things work right and – you still have to go through everything that's a piece of that. It matters, and I think that if you're not interested in telling the truth, then it's because you don't like what the truth is going to take you, uh, where that's going to take you. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott. I'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. I hope you had a good Easter weekend. What did you do? Did you go to, you, you know, did you go to church 
Or did you just watch it online? I hope that you went. I hope that uh, you went, and I hope that you made it on time. You went a little bit early. I went to church, and there was a parking, uh, you know, problem, line of cars and all that. But that's a good sign. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to remember to go early and do that. But, you know, those things, Easter's an interesting thing coming from it, uh, from a pastor's perspective in uh, all these years. You you do a lot of work for Easter Sunday, and a lot of people come but one of the things I want to encourage you about, and I want to encourage you, we'll talk about this a little bit more next hour too, is is don't put Easter in the rear view mirror. Don't put Easter just back there and go, well, that's finally over. You know, from a you know an organizational standpoint, sometimes at church, like, wow, that's over. We're going to take vacations. We worked really hard. No, that's uh, it's it's really the same as any Sunday, except that you get a whole lot of guests. A lot of the guests are just Christians who only show up on uh, Christmas and Easter. And But there are lots of people who come who I think, and I noticed this with lots of people that I interacted with, who I don't think have been to church for a long time. Like they've, they've probably been at some point in their life, and maybe they went regularly at some point in their life. Maybe they just only go on Easter. Uh, there's a lot of people. But um, there was an elderly couple at uh, church I went to who were wearing these pastel-colored suits that looked like they were from the 20s. I mean, really old, really old outfits. And, um, you know, I hesitate to say that they uh, they look like Jim Carrey and and Jeff, uh, what was his name, from uh, Dumb and Dumber. But they're kind of those suits, honestly. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if you've seen that movie. Uh, and uh, But you know what? I thought, wow, that's really an interesting outfit to wear. But they seemed really happy to be there, really kind of old pastel colored suits with the ruffles and a whole lot of stuff. And I thought, I wonder if they pulled those out of the closet and they just haven't worn those forever. And I thought, maybe this couple hasn't been to church in like 50 years. And they just, uh, you know, good for them. They actually happen to fit in their suit. I think that's, uh, you know, pretty good. But I wondered, I thought, how many people have might have shown up to your church and just haven't been there for a long, long time? When I, if I could encourage you with, uh, when you think about this, maybe you brought a kid who hasn't been to church or a grandkid. I saw a picture of a lady on the, on the Instagram machine who I think was probably grandma with the two kids. Uh, maybe mom and dad were nearby or maybe just mom, but I wondered about it. And I thought, I wonder if grandma brought her two kids to Easter services. And grandma, who's probably worried about, you know, I created this case in my mind. I know nothing about this person who was on there, but I know there are people just like her who, and maybe it's just like you, you brought somebody, your kids, or your grandkids to Easter services, and you have so much hope for that. Can I encourage you this way? Don't leave it to just one service. Don't leave it to just Easter service and the message that is there. It's a great message. You know, very likely you heard the gospel clearly stated very likely it was a fun service and you know that's all good but there's a church service every sunday did you know that every single sunday you can bring your grandkids and every single sunday there is a uh there's church and every single sunday there is a message and every single sunday there is an opportunity and you have no idea how god might use whatever message happens to be there on that Sunday. You ever go to church and uh, you visit church for the first time, you're visiting somewhere, you bring somebody to church and, uh, you know, the sermon is the, the giving sermon or the pastor's not there and it's the one guest speaker you don't like. Uh, sometimes you uh, are excited that the pastor's not there because it's the guest speaker that you really do like. 
If you had that experience, it's like, oh, the pastor's not here. I hope he has. Oh, he does. This is going to be a great Sunday. Uh, Sometimes that's the case. You know what? God can use you God can use services and and the message if it's coming gospel based if it's from the Word of God to reach people where they are. Did you feel that on Easter was Easter you know is Easter something to you that's just something to get over with something that's programmatic something that's on the calendar and we want to get done we want to get out of there because we got a ham in the oven or we got Easter brunch scheduled or there's an egg hunt or there's something going on. Can I just say don't don't leave Easter behind. Take a look at the world today, the conversation that we've had this hour and how messed up it is, that how messed up it is that the government acts like little kids when it comes to statistics and research that go against a narrative that for evil reasons, I think that we want to keep going with. We were talking about earlier this, the the legal cases that uh, have come up over the weekend about the abortion pill. And you know what? It's uh, it's going to get feisty, I think, over that. You know, I think that we are as a country, moving to a place where we see people's hostility, and we saw a lot of that hostility, right? We're seeing hostility with Riley Gaines. We may talk about some of that later. We saw hostility in the uh, Tennessee State House, where members were were kicked out because of their participation in um, a, an anti-gun demonstration that disrupted the House. They were kicked out. Should they be kicked out? Was it racist because they kicked out uh, of the three people brought up on uh, those charges? They kicked out the two young black men and the white woman was not kicked out. Um, one of those men, Justin Jones, is back today because uh, nobody thought that, uh, well, the people who uh, sent him there can just send him right back. And they did. And I just I look at all this and so many questions that are raised and there's there's issues and there's views and there's there's sides to debate, but I'm not sure we're doing much debating. And you can't debate if people aren't interested in the truth. You can't debate if the goal really is to take the media and just win the media spin war. You can't debate the truth about how these things affect people's lives, whether it's racism or whether it's abortion or whether it's gun laws and the gun violence, which we had some terrible gun violence again today in uh, Louisville uh, at a bank. And, um, you know, if anything, I hope that these things remind us that it's real people who are involved and that these aren't, you know, we see this on TV, maybe maybe because of the internet or TV, we, we I don't know, we depersonalize people because they become characters in some kind of drama that is unfolding and we kind of wonder who's going to win and you know, we have to pray that we can humanize people. That's something that Easter should do for you, is that whoever it is that you're thinking about, whoever it is that you see on TV, whether you agree with them or not, whether you're on their side or not, whether you think they've done terrible things or not, Jesus died for them. That that person who is on there, Jesus died for them, that there is something much bigger going on. You know, when I look at the the news and and I see this, I think I'll talk about this in a minute, a little bit more, but when I just go to see headlines right now, we've got China ready to fight. China has broadcast their war plans for going to Taiwan. How are we going to be involved with that? There's, here's just the headlines, you know, showdown with the U.S. Navy. Uh, the state TV is showing the war plan going on. There are just one story after the other of things that are a pretty big deal. And those things are going to impact our life one way or the other, I think, in a very serious way. 
we have to be people who are informed. We have to be people who care about human life. And maybe one of the reasons that we're in trouble is that we don't. The question I have for you is, do you care about human life? You care about the, the people who don't know Christ or people who disagree with you, people who are on the other end of the political spectrum or people who are halfway away from you towards the other end of the political spectrum. It, do they just become as an identity that person? You know, that's a big argument, right, with the, the transgender stuff and uh, lots of things going on. It has a lot to do with identity. And I think that as Christians, if you're a Christian, our identity is supposed to be in Christ. It's who we are, right? And I think the reason that identity is becoming such a thing, it's because that's what the devil is doing in our philosophical culture. He is trying to take people's identity away from being made in the image of God or having any value as a human being at all. See, identity, it's it's just it's just an interesting thing. You know, people like to say, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner, right? That used to be something that was relatively well-received. And maybe you still say that, but you know, that's not well-received anymore. That when people hear, hate the sin, you know, love the sinner, the response is, well, my sin is my identity, so you can't do that. You know, the, if if my sin is uh, something sexual, and this is my new sexual identity, and here's my pronouns, and I used to be a man, but now I'm a woman, and I'm the, and that's my identity. And you say, love the sin, or hate the sin, love the sinner, and you go, well, they're the same. That's my identity. And when you say, hate the sin, you're saying you hate me. That's where our culture is today. The whole hate the sin, love the sinner thing, it doesn't really work. Like, it might work in your heart, okay, just between you, but when you say it, it doesn't land, it lands as a, oh, well, you do hate me then because this is my identity. It's a strange world. I had a, a uh, my, dad's, my dad's uncle actually, well, this is a long time ago. He actually said that. He was an alcoholic. He was really bad. And he would tell people, no, if you hate my drink, then you hate me. If you hate the fact that I like to drink, then you hate me. And he identified with being an alcoholic and he, it became who he was. And I think that was more rare then, but that's exactly where we're at today. My friends, make sure your identity is Christ. And if your identity is Christ, then follow him. Love others. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with others, but we have to find a way through this. I think that the church is the answer. I think that the church through a lot of these things, you know, I don't say that just as a, you know, I don't know. It sounds almost cheesy sometimes to say that, doesn't it? You know, well, the church is the answer. But it is. We have the truth. We don't have to be afraid of the truth, and the truth is Christ. Don't let Easter ever be something that just is a day and you move past it. Make sure that you're living every day in the resurrection and what that means and for the mission we have. We'll talk about that again as we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back with Hour 2 as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.